Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Let's Talk Tankara podcast. I am joined by Martin or Sageheart Tankara online. Martin, how are you today? Doing well, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking some time to speak with me. Um, Martin, you got a couple things going. I know, as I mentioned, you've got Sageheart Tenkara online. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, How did you get started in Tenkara? Um, So I grew up fishing with, you know, my parents would take us out and mostly just for bass, spinning gear, all that stuff. Um, Kind of fell out of it when I was a teenager, just kind of lost interest hanging out with friends, all that stuff. Um, Several years ago, I kind of rediscovered the outdoors and wanted to pick up fishing again. So went out and got myself a new spinning rod, all that stuff. Never really caught ton. uh, I don't know if I actually ever caught anything (laughs) in the summer that I was using it. But I originally wanted to go and hike out to places and try to catch fish. And it was getting kind of, you know, carrying all the lures and weight and stuff was just kind of, I don't know, it wasn't my thing. I was kind of losing interest. Yeah. Um, But we went to, uh, one time we went camping with some family and I was out kayaking trying to get some fish to bite. And I saw a bunch of them rising and it kind of clicked that I was like, oh, that's where fly fishing would come in handy. And so I kind of delved into trying to get information about that, but I was a little put off by the whole, like, match the hatch thing, and it just seemed like it was a really big learning curve and one that I wasn't ready to take on just yet. But doing a little bit more digging, I found 10 cards, and I was like, oh, that's, like, it sounds pretty cool. Seems real simple and kind of, like, exactly what I was looking for. And then... um one of my coworkers' brothers had lent me his 10 car rod, and I didn't really know what I was doing with it, but I don't think I caught anything the first time I took it out, but the second time caught a fish, and then after that, several more, and then I was just kind of like, man, this is, this is it. And so um, later that summer, picked up a 10 car USA rod for my first one, the Wana, and been pretty much fishing ten car ever since. That's awesome. I mean, I definitely agree. When you're packing around all that extra gear, it's it can be a turnoff. Uh, yeah. One of the final straws for me on switching to ten car was I did a hike up to Lake Mary here in Utah. It's about a mile and a half in, but it's pretty steep. Uh, you actually hike up a ski resort hill to get up in there. So it's it's not a pleasant hike. Lots of yeah. elevation gain pretty quick. And uh, I carried probably about 25 pounds of fly fishing gear between my waders and my rods and just everything in with me. And yeah. by the time I got up in there, I was exhausted and didn't even really want to fish. <laughs> and uh fished for about an hour and then packed everything up and you know did the hike back out and i'm like all right there's got to be an easier way to do this sometimes coming downhill is harder than going up too when you got all that weight it's absolutely yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i i definitely understand that getting lightweight and you know the versatility is phenomenal Mm -hmm. um so about how long ago would you say you got started in tenkara 
Uh, I'll, my guess is about, I think I'm just past four years here. Okay. I want to say it was 2019. Okay. But I'm not 100% positive. Time flies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what would you say is one of your most ten- memorable Tenkara experiences? That's a hard one. There's a lot of good ones. Um, it definitely takes you to some pretty cool places. I mean, as long as you're willing to go on an adventure, there's a lot of, I would say, lakes and rivers or just spots in the woods that I probably wouldn't have gone if I wasn't looking for a trout. Um, there's a couple of years ago, a friend had told me about this small little creek out in the mountains. Pretty nondescript. I'd looked for it once and I couldn't find it, but then... I was pretty determined to try to figure it out, so I went out again, um, had a little bit better directions the second time, found the creek, and it's just a small one in the hillside. You're kind of just like working your way up pool after pool, and I caught this little, probably like four or five inch, I, I think it's a rainbow, I'm not really sure. The coloring on it is very, um, kind of like a golden toasty brown. But it's not a brown trout. It doesn't have the little spots or anything. And it does have kind of a a fairly red line through it, you know, okay. along the side there. I don't think yeah. I don't think it's a golden. We don't have them up in this area. I thought maybe it cut through it, but I'm not 100% positive on that. Um, I know there are some red bands, but I don't, you know, it's just, it might even just be like a weird, um, maybe whatever it was eating in the creek. Yeah, but that was a cool one. It was a really fun, you know, kind of like a little session, I guess. I don't know. Um, It's just one of those creeks where anytime your fly hits the water, a fish comes out for it. So it was fun to explore. Yeah, those those are always my favorite. You get up into those little remote creeks, and mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you don't have to match the cre- uh, hatch when you get up <laughs> into those situations. You just no. throw something, and, and they're going to hit it. Yeah. doesn't matter and they're all, what it is. They're all small little ones, too. I mean, I think probably the biggest one I caught was maybe like six or seven inches. So. And I don't know. They're still super fun just working your way up and putting them in the net. Absolutely. Perfect. I know we already touched on this a little bit, but obviously you mentioned uh, matching the hatch uh, with fly fishing being kind of a turnoff. Uh, What are some flies that you're using when you go out? Are you using more of the traditional kabari or are you uh, using Western flies? Like what is your take on that? Uh, Definitely more traditional kabari. Um, Futsu are my my go-to patterns. Every now and then I'll experiment a little bit. I don't do much nymphing but i have been trying to get better at it this year um and i a friend gave me a couple um stonefly patterns and those have been doing pretty good on one of my favorite rivers like if i can't get a buy i'll switch to those and that usually draws some attention so okay perfect uh you mentioned uh fly patterns do you tie your own flies i do um I have more stuff than I use, and anybody who's listening, if you get into fly tying, it's a whole other hobby that is very expensive. 
Yeah, uh, I tell people all the time it's one of those hobbies you don't expect to save money on. There are a few <laughs> flies that you can save money on, but for yeah. the most part, you're going to spend more. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer that like that fly shops maybe don't have kind of bulk bin items. I don't really know how you would do it, but it kind of sucks when like you want to try a pattern, but you have to buy you know enough like more feathers than you're ever going to use. Yeah, especially for a pattern that you tie once or twice, and then you're like, I don't really like to fish it. So, yeah, it's it like, would... oh, you want some hackle? All right, well, here, have the entire back yeah. of the bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, maybe you know, then maybe there's like a Facebook group out there, or if not, maybe there will be one someday where it's kind of like a trade. Um, just because then I think that would kind of like circulate some materials and people would be able to maybe save some money <laughs> yeah no that that would definitely help out in the long run i yeah. think um they yeah, had definitely not in it to save money um i don't know about you but when i tie i like i like to sit down turn on something as background noise and just you know it's more of a relaxation thing that gives me something to do at home when i can't be out on the stream yeah um, I would say I haven't tied as much over the past few months. Definitely enjoying the nice weather and being able to fish, but I agree with that. Once the winter comes, definitely sit down and tie a bunch, and then I don't use all of them either. So, hey, that's part of the addiction of tying <laughs> is you always tie way more than you need. Definitely. Perfect. Um, as far as those Futsu Kabari go that you mentioned, is there a certain colorway that you prefer, or is it just open to whatever in that pattern um last the past couple of years i've been using one that, or there's kind of two that i alternate between using the shetland spindrift yarn one of them's a lighter color i think mist is the the their colorway um using that with kind of a blue done uh hackle and then the other one was just a grizzly done with uh paprika and those have been doing, those did really well for me the past couple of years um, with our winter here. I don't know if the local spot, they've just gotten used to seeing those flies and so they don't go for them anymore. But I also think it has to do with our very uh, snowy winter and a season of high water. So I don't think they see them as well. This year I've been, oh, go for it. Oh, as you say, I can understand that uh, there's some flies that I used to fish that definitely don't fish the same this year. Yeah. Um, I've been going, I've been using bigger flies this year for sure. Um, the one that's done pretty well for me is Grizzly Hackle with kind of a purplish, purplish reddish uh, dubbing and green thread. And that one, for some reason, has been doing really good. You know, it's funny, I was talking to, uh, or I did an episode with Dre a while back, and he sent me some flies afterwards, and one of them that he sent me is a bright, like, neon green Kabari <laughs> with a red glass bead on it. And I looked mm -hmm. at that thing, and I'm like, man, when am I going to ever fish this? <laughs> and I threw it on one day just for the heck of it, and started catching fish on it, so. Yeah, another one that did really well for me is uh, Oni Style. Uh, Sakasa, um, in kind of a bright yellow color. That one 
Okay. Especially early season, but I think it's because during the runoff it was easy to see and had a lot of movement to it, so I could I could figure out where they were hiding at least with that one. That makes sense. Yeah. So where you're at, you you're in California, correct? I am. So with where you're located, are you fishing more smaller streams or bigger rivers? I try to get I try to get the rounds in. I like to kind of um, go with the flow. Uh, throughout the season, I'll start usually like, I guess, kind of when runoff starts and when the local creeks are good. I try to hit those. As it kind of subsides, I try to get up into the mountains and hit those smaller ones, more headwaters. Um, and I'll kind of just repeat that until that season kind of carries on. And then those creeks drop to the point where you can't push them anymore. Okay. Um, and then I definitely like bigger rivers. Um, bigger rivers with boulders. We do have a big tailwater here that's really flat and featureless, and that one's hard to fish. But when you can when you can figure it out, it's really good. <laughs> but it's not easy to do. Um, so when I can, I definitely try to spend my time on the bigger rivers, and that's part of the reason why I like that futsu pattern is i find i can anchor it well in all the eddies if i put it into the current it holds its profile it's easy for the fish to see usually gets a strike yeah that's awesome so where are you located at in california um i am up kind of a little bit north of sacramento i'm not too far from nick either so okay yeah Perfect. So when you get out uh, in your areas, do you, I guess, are you specifically targeting trout or are you targeting other species as well? In the past, I've gone for other species. You know, sometimes in the spring before trout season really takes off, I'll go to the pond and go for some bluegill. Um, not, not too often that I go for bluegill or uh, bass. On occasion, I will, but yeah, my main focus definitely is trout, and more okay. so this year than in previous years. What's a species that you've yes yet to target that you want to? Um, definitely want to get a golden or a tiger trout or a grayling, but um, I don't think we have any tiger trout around here, to my knowledge. The golden would probably be the closest species but it's still quite a drive to get to a spot where they have them well i'm sure nick knows a few spots he can turn you on to <laughs> i'm sure he does i know he does <laughs> nick seems to be the guy that if you have a question about anything about fishing out there you just say hey nick and he'll he'll hook you up <laughs> yeah he's been all over the sierras so yeah, that, that's definitely on my list of places to hit, hopefully in the next couple years, is get out there. And I plan all of my trips around uh, having fishing be part of them. So yeah. <laughs> it's like my family, they went out to, my parents went out to Chicago, Illinois, a uh, couple weeks ago for my youngest brother's uh, Navy graduation from boot camp. And they're like, oh, we'd love to get you out there to like look and stuff and go maybe as a family. And I'm like, hey, as long as I get to go fishing at least one day, <laughs> you know, then we can make it happen. With the 10 car rods, though, it's pretty easy. I mean, they pack well. Exactly. You don't need a lot of stuff. So, exactly. You and can that's find fish in some 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely find fish in spots where a lot of people don't look either. Yeah, and I mean, before I got into Tenkara, I bought a telescoping uh, spinning rod, mm-hmm. and I only used it like once. I don't think I ever caught a fish on it. And this summer, while flows were high, I took it out once. Mm-hmm. And man, it is a horrible rod. <laughs> it's just like there are some rods that just are not made to collapse, and spinning rods yeah. are some of them. <laughs> It was horrible. It really was. But it just cemented my belief that uh, Ankara was the way to go for traveling. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Um, So one of the other reasons we wanted to get to you on, Martin, uh, you and Amanda Hoffner, who we had on uh, one of our first episodes of Let's Talk Tenkara, you started a project, the Heritage Tenkara Project. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit off of your guys' website here. Cool. Um, so just right on the front page, created in 2023 by anglers Martin, I'm going to butcher your last name, Montejano? Montejano. Close enough. I've been called worse. <laughs> and Amanda Hoffner. The Heritage Tenkara Project was founded on the idea that nature should be accessible and appreciated by all. Something indescribable can be found by being in nature, and many of us find a deeper connection to nature through fishing. So, first of all, I love the idea behind this project. What was your guys' driving factor or deciding factor in starting the project? I think it's just, um, we'd kind of been talking for a while about kind of I guess just experiences that we've both had and I'm not trying to say they're all negative, you know, it's, it's a balancing. Um, I would say I'm not trying to, you know, put words into anybody's mouth. It seems like Amanda's definitely had maybe a little bit harder of a time. Um, kind of like, you know how it is like with Western fly anglers and kind of mm-hmm. like ragging on Tenkara or. Absolutely. Um, just trying to find, like, space for, you know, being outside and kind of doing your own thing. Um, so just kind of talking over time and sharing experiences and stuff. She had some ideas. We kind of bounced things back and forth. And so it kind of just clicked one day that I was like, oh, we could start this thing and kind of make it, like, more of a... um. I guess more of a resource for everybody, but I didn't want to, we didn't think that labeling it as like a blog or we didn't kind of want to pigeonhole it into being one specific thing. So we figured that doing the, using the term project would have been a better option because it kind of leaves it open-ended. So as it grows, I don't know exactly what we'll end up doing in the future, but it leaves us options to expand and do other things. I don't know if maybe like clinics or, you know, maybe if there's even some sort of like network thing we could set up, but just, I guess the possibilities are endless. We're just getting started with all of this. So it's it's just something we're doing in our free time and we'll grow it as we have time. So, I mean, obviously you're leaving the door open for other 
projects and things or opportunities with the project in the future. What's kind of your goal in the immediate future with the project? I think for right now we are trying to get um we're trying to get more articles out. Um like I said, we're kind of just doing this as we have free time. We both have our own personal accounts, our own personal mm-hmm. lives. We're trying to find the balance of everything. Um I think we're going to cover quite a bit of information for beginners starting out. And I would say it seems like maybe some of the some of the feedback we got right off the bat and it's not anything that somebody necessarily said it's just kind of maybe feeling it out. We do know that we're not um the most experienced anglers out there especially when it comes to 10 car, there are people who've been doing it longer than us. But one of our other ideas that we had is not to do the blog, just completely based off of our, our own experiences. We are looking to um, incorporate other people who have some unique insight or maybe can cover certain topics better than we can. Um, Some of the people from the community that we've connected with and stuff, we're trying to get, guest writers on there as well to expand a bit and like i said cover spots that maybe we don't feel that we know enough about yeah that's awesome i mean i definitely agree there's people that have been doing this a lot longer i mean tenkara even though it is fairly new in the u.s there are people that have been doing it since pretty much when it came over here yeah and so it's it's cool to see the community come together and be able to grow and help each other grow their platforms and i mean i've seen it with my podcast here and uh, my business as well there's so many people that are willing to give that or extend that hand and welcome you into the community and help you out uh there are some that are a little bit harder to work with but that's (laughs) going to be pretty much any industry that you get into so and i would say you know generally speaking the 10 car community has been great it's absolutely I can't think of many instances where I've actually really butted heads with anybody. Um, The angling community in itself may be kind of a different story. I know bass fishermen can be (laughs) their own, you know, they, I don't mean to like generalize people. They definitely have different personalities and even like with uh, rod and reel fly fishermen, you know, it's, it's definitely a different vibe and mm-hmm. kind of our goal too is to maybe even branch out and kind of bridge the gap between some of those styles as well and make it more accessible. So maybe if you already do fly fishing and you're curious about Tenkara, we're hoping to just build up this website to where you could go on there and find a bunch of information and, you know, make that jump or even if it's from spinning gear, I mean, we're trying to get we're trying to cover as many bases as we can have a lot of information we know it'll take time but we're working on it no and that's awesome i i mean having those resources available and there's a lot of stuff out there but at the same time there's not a lot out there no um, a lot of the <laughs> stuff that you see is just the same thing worded differently mm-hmm. and so like yeah it's nice to see those different perspectives but it'll be good to see something that's trying to kind of bridge some gaps. And, you know, like you said, there's 
for whatever reason, uh, Western fly fishermen do not like Tenkara. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, there's bad blood. Uh, excuse me, bad blood there. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll be something that becomes a resource, like you said, that can help bridge the gap there and help uh, unite the anglers of both. Yeah, uh, I think it's a really cool idea what you guys are doing. Thank um, you. I know right now, I believe you guys have one article on there, uh, researching trout streams. Uh, that was Amanda that pr- did that one, right? Correct. So in your experience, uh, I do want to touch on that topic a little bit. What are you looking for when you're researching for a new place to go fishing? Uh, me personally, um, you know, the primary characteristic would be water. Um, sorry. That's a good one. <laughs> um, it's really hard no, it's... to uh, fish on land. <laughs> you know sometimes you got to get your practice and where you can yeah <laughs> no i actually um, told the guy last week i i took him out on a trip up into one of the canyons that i guide in and i did a demonstration of the slingshot cast into a really mm-hmm. tight space and he was like how do you do that like how do you get that down without getting tangles and i'm like honestly go out in your yard Put something on the ground and just practice hitting it. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's inevitable. You, what's the thing you learn more from the fish you lose than the ones you don't? Kind of same thing, probably, too. Mm-hmm. You could say it flies. You learn more from losing flies. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as far as kind of looking for waters, um, by now i kind of know a lot of the water in my area i i would say there's quite a bit from amanda's article that i do myself she definitely has a it seems like maybe she dives in a little bit more than i do (laughs) um i know which rivers for the most part hold fish around here I'm willing to put in the hours and explore because, if anything, it's just a cool experience. There is, so like today, actually, I went out to a section of one of the creeks here in town. And I got skunked. Uh, 45 minutes, didn't see anything. No rises, no, just no movement at all under the surface. And that's fine. Um I don't know necessarily why that spot doesn't hold fish, though, because a lot of the creek does, and so it might maybe bad timing. Maybe something else happened there earlier in the day and the fish are all spooked. I, It's a spot that I probably wouldn't go back to just because of how tight it is and not a lot of good access either. But, you know, it's kind of just... Doing a little bit of research, trial and error. Usually I'll hit a spot like several times to decide whether or not it's really worth going back. Yeah. Um, and I found some really good spots just exploring too. Even on rivers where I'm like, oh, there's no fish in here. And then maybe further down I find some little pockets and there's there's a good amount of fish there. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely understand that feeling. There's a stream that I love now that I fished for the first time last year. 
and I, it's one of those streams, you got to park and then you got to walk into it. So you walk in and you start fishing. And I mean, I covered a quarter mile of stream and didn't see a single fish. And I always get to the point and I'm sure you're similar. You get to the point, you don't see any fish. And so you just start splashing around, walking, making noise, (laughs) like trying to stir something up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I did that like after the first probably eighth of a mile of not seeing anything just started making as much noise as i could and just splashing around didn't see anything so i'm like all right there's no fish in here i'm not coming back yeah and uh this year i guess it was late last year uh nathan sutherland uh with wasatch tenkara rods he was like dude you gotta go back to that stream like it's a good stream i'm like dude i don't know what you're talking about there's no fish in that stream (laughs) but he's like no go and he like gave me an idea of where to start and so i hiked into where he said to start and started fishing and there were just fish everywhere and it's and like what the heck <laughs> and that's what i mean is there can be there can be spots that for some reason they just won't hold in and then half a mile downstream there's a bunch mm-hmm. um and it can be i mean there's so many things too like it could be somebody fished it right before you and you didn't see them, so they might be on edge. Um, there's another pretty popular tailwater in my area, and again, it's pretty tricky to fish, and I recently learned part of it is because the fish will move around pretty, con- like, even throughout the day, they'll migrate to different spots. And so it's a lot of, um, you know, time of season, time of day, it's tricky to kind of pinpoint where they're going to be, but I think yeah. if you do it enough, you'll you'll know the rhythm of it. Oh, yeah. No, and I've definitely, I mean, I like pocket water, and so, like, that's primarily the streams that I fish are just lots of little pockets. Yeah. And uh, so there's not a lot of migration and movement in those streams unless they're moving, you know, downstream further. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, it's just, it was weird to me because it's like you start at the end of the stream and you don't see anything. And like I said, you just get discouraged and it's like, all right, there's no fish in here. And then, like you said, (laughs) you go half a mile upstream and all of a sudden there's fish everywhere and it doesn't always make sense, but yeah, such is fishing. (laughs) And I would say too, um, one thing that I try to keep in mind is like, if I'm going to go explore somewhere new and put in the legwork, I also try to have a, I guess, kind of like a backup plan. (laughs) So if I do get out there and there's absolutely no sign of fish, then I'm like, oh, well, maybe not completely wasted. I can go to another spot that I do know has fish, or I can at least explore a second area. Yeah. Now, normally, like, I don't always have backup plan as far as like, oh, this, this other spot's nearby and I know it has fish. But I'll generally pick an area if I'm exploring somewhere new that's got two or three streams in a close proximity. Yeah. And that way, if one of them's a bust, I can just, you know, bounce down to the next one. Yeah, for sure. So in your experience, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned while Pinkara fishing? Um, enjoy the experience. Uh, I think there's a lot, like I said earlier, there's a lot of good memories and a lot of cool fishing trips that I've done, but it's more than just the fish for sure. 
I, you know, the scenery, the hiking, the, I guess just being in nature, it's, it's cool. I find it relaxing. Um, it's, like I said, it's the experience I've crossed, <laughs> crossed paths, paths with a bear once. Um, just a little black bear. That was cool. Um, even just chasing different species and just kind of, I guess, just observing things, you know, take, slow it down, take time, look at everything, enjoy your time out there. Heck yeah. Um, if you want something more like technical fishing related, um, learn the species you're going after, learn to change your presentations and kind of present the fly better to you know if you're going for rainbows you're going to change your tactics to something that fits how they feed rather than brown trout absolutely so what would you say is something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started um you're going to lose a lot of flies. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of flies. I think I've been experimenting quite a bit this year with, I guess, kind of being like efficient with my time. And it's been a pretty good exercise of thought. And a lot of it, I would say, doesn't kind of, again, be observational kind of look at how you have things set up and there's a lot of gear that I think we carry that we don't need and I'm guilty of it. I like gadgets here and there, you know, I'm like, Oh cool. I'll buy that. And that'll make my fishing easier. And then several months in, I'm like, I don't really need it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of, I guess don't get suckered into buying tons of stuff. Um, focus on the fundamentals. I think that's something that I was aware of when I started. I think because you're busy trying to learn. You're trying to understand mm -hmm. it. And then you get a little bit comfortable and then you want to expand out into like, oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. And it's fun, but yeah, like I said, just always stay with those fundamentals. No, that's really good. And, you know, talking about gear and stuff like that, this year, I really put a focus on cutting back the amount of stuff I was carrying, and I still think I carry more than I should. <laughs> um, I've got three different fly boxes. They're all small. They've got little, they're just little eight compartment ones that I can mm -hmm. just throw loose flies in. But I've got one for nymphs, one for kabari, and one for dry flies. And then I've got a couple extra line uh, holders. I've got some extra level line some tippet, nippers, forceps. Um, really, I like. I feel like I have stuff that I need, but at the same time, it just when I look at my little, <laughs> I just carry a little waste pack. I'm just like, yeah. man, there's just so much in here. And then you, I just, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, are you carrying your level line spool with you? Uh, no, I've take because uh, I buy bulk level line. Mm -hmm. And so I just take and I spool 
a good portion of it onto a, a little line holder oh. and throw that in my pouch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I used to just carry like 30 meters of level line in my bag. <laughs> and uh, no, I, this last time that I bought level line after I ran out of my last 30 meter roll, I bought a 600 yard roll. So <laughs> definitely not carrying that around. <laughs> and you, I mean, I know people who will carry, you know, the 30 meter spool with them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one what works for you doesn't work for everybody and vice versa. You know, it's everybody kind of has their own style or their own, I guess, way of doing things. And so, you know, gear that you prioritize definitely isn't something that the next three people might prioritize. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, definitely like find your own way of doing things. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, depending on where you're at, like for me with water, I don't like carrying a water bottle with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I recently switched over to a life straw, but most of the streams near me are spring fed or snow runoff water. Yeah. Um, not everyone's fortunate enough to have that as being the water around them. Yeah. So I'm more willing to just drink out of the stream than some people are. <laughs> but <laughs> I yeah, and kind of depending where i go like a lot of the local creeks i don't spend too long out there i mean maybe like hour an hour and a half yeah but i usually don't take water with me for those i wouldn't drink the water but (laughs) not the water in the stream sorry let me clarify (laughs) life straws are key here (laughs) i'm telling you lightweight and they filter everything but no i i definitely agree like if i'm just out on like an hour or two outing like I generally won't even bring my life straw, leave it in the car. Um, If I'm planning on something that's going to be longer, then I'll pack that along with me. Or if I'm somewhere where I know that I don't trust the water as much, then, you know, I might actually pack a water bottle with me. But yeah, uh, it it just depends on the scenario. But um, trying to think of where my train of thought just went because <laughs> it <laughs> was all over the place there. <laughs> um, how many rods do you have in your 10 car lineup? I've whittled it down this year. There's four that I've been using pretty regularly. Um, let's see, two, three, four. I want to say I have seven or eight rods total. Okay. One of them my wife uses, that's pretty much just you know that's her rod (laughs) at this point um there's another one that i just haven't really found much use for this year actually a couple of them and then the last one is a keru rod and i do take that out every now and then i generally use it more as the weather gets colder but yeah as far as like 10 car rods there are four that i've been using pretty regularly And which rods are you using? I have a Nissan Royal Stage, um, 7.3, And then a Zero Sum uh, Oni. That one's in a 3.95. The other two are both Tanukis. One of them's the 3.75 and one of them's the Ninja. Okay. Yeah. Which rod would you say gets the most use? Did we lose you? 
Are you back? <laughs> I think so. All right. Um, <laughs> which rod would you say gets the most use out of the rods you've got? I would say it's probably one of the Tanuki rods. Um, I like the 375. That's actually my favorite one out of the two. But I want to say I've probably used the Ninja a little bit more this year. Okay. I've had it longer. I just got the 375 earlier. I want to say in May. Okay. June. Somewhere in there. Yeah, I've I've spoke with Tanuki. I haven't ever got to fish one of his rods, so maybe that'll change one day. But they're <laughs> they're absolutely stunning rods. They're um they are light. <laughs> they're light. They they look to me, and I think this is one of my biggest hesitations with them, is they look like a piece of art. And <laughs> I I mean, as a guide, I am not the most gentle with my rods, and mm -hmm. my clients definitely aren't gentle with my rods. <laughs> so it's hard for me to, you know, spend that money and know that it's going to get abused the way that I use rods or my clients use rods. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And I think, you know, especially for people who are learning, definitely go with something that has like dragon tail or uh you know companies that have great customer service and mm -hmm. replacement parts so um and then not that i wouldn't suggest a tanuki for a beginner but i you know for the price and everything i'd probably like definitely start with <laughs> yeah no and that's that's one of the things like customer service parts availability like I have a Nissan Prospect 2. Mm -hmm. I am the only person that fishes that rod because if yeah. it breaks, I'm, you know, six plus weeks waiting for a replacement section. <laughs> I got some uh, scratches on my my little Royal Sage, and I ordered a second one because after thinking about it, I was like, if I buy a replacement blank, you know, I don't know how much that costs, but shipping's probably going to be like 30 bucks on it. So, mm -hmm. you know, 40 bucks in. I'm you may as know, well just buy a new rod a couple, at that point. Yeah. I was like, I'll just order a second one just in case. Yeah, so. no, and I'm I'm that way with uh some of my rods. Uh it's just easier to have a second one. Yeah. Um luckily where where I guide um with Wasatch rods, they're just up the road from me, so yeah. <laughs> takes me they're forty minutes away. I can get replacement parts pretty quick. There you go. <laughs> but no, definitely, uh, I agree. Make sure that if you're just getting into it, pick something that has parts available because yeah. it sucks waiting for parts to get shipped <laughs> from Japan. <laughs> definitely. Uh, that's that's another story for another day, <laughs> though. <laughs> um, what would you say... I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> um, in your in your experience with Tenkara fishing, what is an ideal trip for you look like? Um, how any like specifics you want me to cover? Whatever. You okay. you feel inclined to just when you go out like if you were to draw the perfect trip what would that perfect trip be? Oof. Um. 
I generally prefer afternoon hatches. Um, so it's not that I won't wake up early to chase trout, but I kind of like having the day to kind of get ready and explore and stuff. Um, yeah, just a nice, a nice drive. Some, some road with good scenery. <laughs> um, I like rivers with pocket water, boulders. I like having variety, and I like having stretches that you can fish for, you know, a good length without having to, like, kind of, like, take a trail in, fish a little section, go out, go up. I like being able to just move along the river. Yeah. Um, fish size isn't really, like, too important to me. I don't like catching super small ones just because I kind of feel bad about it. <laughs> but I'm not hunting trophies either. Not that I don't like catching big fish, but I'll take whatever bites. Um, yeah, just a nice afternoon, kind of hitting that golden hour, fishing the way up the river, and then driving home. Absolutely. Um, what would you say is an average trip? I know you talked about some of the local waters you fish. Uh, what What's just your everyday expectation of what you're going to see? Um, if I hit the local creeks, like sometimes after work, before work, anything like that, usually like half an hour to an hour, um, I expect to find some rainbows, some browns, probably in that six inch range. Um, just kind of, I mean, the ideal trip isn't like too far off from the average trip <laughs> other than just like having more time to fish, I guess. And yeah you know, the optimal kind of time of day or at least the one that I would like to fish. But, um, yeah, just, just any time on the water is a good time. There you go. <laughs> Outside of the essential gear being like a rod net, maybe a bag, obviously flies, line, things like that. What would you <laughs> say is one piece of gear that you don't want to go fishing without a sun hoodie UPF shirt picked one up a couple of years ago and they have been absolutely irreplaceable that is a great piece of advice i <laughs> can't tell you how many times i get out there and i forget sunscreen and i come home redder than a tomato <laughs> and it happens fast it there's a lot of light coming at you from a lot of angles. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, uh, my one piece of essential gear, uh, a good set of polarized sunglasses. Yeah. And again, I mean, sun protection is super important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially for your eyes, too. I mean, <laughs> if you've never had sunburned eyes, I don't recommend it. No, it <laughs> <laughs> You you can just trust me on that. Don't go out and try it for yourself. Just get some sunglasses. <laughs> there was one time I fell asleep in the hammock, and I was in the shade when I fell asleep, but over my nap, the sun had moved, and even with my eyes closed, I woke up, and my vision was all... Mm -hmm. It was, like, desaturated. It was really weird, and I was like, oh, man, I really fucked up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not pleasant. Like I said, no. just... Wear sunglasses, 
take yeah. our word for it. <laughs> Don't go out and try it. It's yeah. miserable, and there's nothing you can do about wait for it to go away. No. <laughs> That's the only only solution. Um, what is one piece of gear that you thought was necessary that you don't use now? Um, a big net. <laughs> um, I'm not saying don't use a net. Definitely bring it. I find any time I don't bring a net, I run into a situation where I need a net. But I started out with kind of one of those like teardrop shaped ones. And it just, I never found a good way to carry it. It was just kind of always in the way. Yeah. Um, I recently picked up uh, one of the Tomo style nets from Dragon Tail. And that has been, it's my favorite net that I've used so far. Is that one of the collapsible ones? Not collapsible. It's the circular shape. I don't have it. Okay, yeah. But yeah, but kind of like traditional style. Yeah. Japanese. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mine, I I have a buddy that fishes one of those collapsible nets. He's like, it's great. It doesn't take up any space. I'm like, yeah, but if you hook into a big fish, which is when you really need the net, your net can't support the fish. I've put some pretty big fish in one of those collapsible nets um it definitely isn't the most sturdy but <laughs> as long as you get it in the net and kind of keep it close to the water yeah it doesn't do too bad that's uh the the reason that i say it's it's not sturdy enough is we hooked into a oh shoot it was probably a 22 inch brown and mm-hmm. yeah that's a little a little yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was way too much fish for the net. And so yeah. I'm like, you know, where I fish, I've got the chance of catching those fish. And that <laughs> net's just not an option. The collapsible ones are definitely nice if you go through a lot of brush. But um, yeah. I kind of moved away from mine partially because I would leave it collapse. I'd get to fishing. And as soon as I took it out, it just stayed out. So I was like, I don't really know why I have a collapsible net. It's not something that I utilize yeah the features very often so other than just to store it no 100 percent. i my net of choice i like measure net i use their small rubber net mm-hmm. um i mean that can hold the fish up over i think it's 22 inches is what the measuring tape goes to your fish can hold hang over the end a little bit it's okay it doesn't have to completely fit in the net it just has to be supported yeah um so that's my go-to net um for guiding i used the large measure measure net that one can support a fish over 28 inches like mm-hmm. does nets work well for my needs so yeah and you know as we said earlier one system doesn't work for everybody so absolutely i know I mean, plenty of people oh go ahead oh i was gonna say i know plenty of people who use the teardrop nets and mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't if it works for you definitely use it but it wasn't my jam. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And I mean, part of it for me, like the teardrop nets, they're made to fit, be used one way. And that's in your left hand. Yeah. I'm left handed. So that style of net isn't ideal for me. Mm-hmm. And so, 
I mean, you can try to flip them around and push the net down through, but they just don't sit right that way. And yeah, yeah just those nets aren't for me. They're they're beautiful nets. The craftsmanship is exquisite on them. But yeah, just they're not for me. Mm-hmm. What is? All right, um, trying to think where. Again, lost my losing my train of thought today. <laughs> it is one of those days. It's been a long week, um, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's going to be a longer week to this week, but it's good. Oh. <laughs> I get to go fishing on Thursday. That's what I'm looking there forward you go. to. Yeah. Fishing on Thursday. <laughs> um, how often do you get out on the water? Uh, I try to go at least once a week. It just kind of depends. Um, I would say I can I can do it once a week for sure. Any chance I get, I try to take the opportunity. I think there have been times where I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like going fishing, even though I was going to. And I find more often than not, I regret it if I don't go. But if I do go, I don't think there's many times where I've been like, ah, I shouldn't have gone fishing. You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, for me, I, I also try to get out at least once a week. Um, for me, I've noticed that my life, I get a lot more stressed mm-hmm. when I don't get out. Um, which is crazy that something so simple can be as big of a stress relief as it is. Yeah, especially just doing it once for, you know, a couple hours a week. But I just find that if I don't get out that week, like I just have a hard time getting anything done. I definitely get cranky. And my wife has pointed that out. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you should probably go fishing. Yeah, I had uh, it was last year. And I had probably a month and a half where, for one reason or another, I just wasn't able to go. Mm-hmm. And I was grumpy all the time. My performance at my day job was <laughs> suffering. And uh, one day my boss came up to me and he's like, hey, I need you to leave and just go <laughs> fish. Like, he's like, just go. Don't tell your wife you're leaving. Just go and spend the afternoon fishing. What a good boss. Yeah, yeah he's a great guy. Uh, Connor, I don't know if you're listening, but I appreciate you and everything you do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just that little difference. I mean, the next day I came back and it was completely different situation. But yeah. uh, it's, it's crazy how much of a difference just a couple hours out in nature can make. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about today, Martin, that you feel like we should have touched on? I don't think there's anything that comes to mind. Perfect. Well, thank you again for taking some time for uh, hopping on and talking with me. Uh, Martin, where can we follow your Tenkara journey? Um. Instagram, Sageheart Tankara, uh, same across the board for Facebook and TikTok. I don't use my TikTok that much, so uh, if you're looking for videos, that's probably not the place to go. Um, I do have a website, 
the I would say if you're looking for it, go through the link tree in my Instagram bio. Um, I don't quite. I haven't set up the URL just yet to be easy. <laughs> I understand um, that. <laughs> yeah, it still has the hosting site's uh, little, you know, bit on there. So perfect. Um, yeah. All right. Well, make sure that if you have any questions for Martin, reach out to him. Like you said, Sagehart Tenkara on Instagram. Uh, give him a follow. Check out the Heritage Tenkara Project as well. You can find it on Instagram as Heritage Tenkara Project, or you can find them on their website. The easiest way to get to that is through that same link tree <laughs> link that Martin has in his bio. Yep. Um, outside of that, feel free to reach out to myself with any questions or recommendations for the show. You can find me on Instagram at Let's Talk Tenkara. Or you can reach out to me via email at letstalktenkara at gmail.com. Uh, we're still looking for people to fill in for the rest of the 50 states. We've got a decent chunk of them done, but still have quite a ways to go. So if you think yourself <laughs> or someone you know would be a good fit for the show, uh, feel free to shoot me an email or a message on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, outside of that, thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you on next time. This has been the Let's Talk Tenkara Podcasts, hosted by Brendan Harden. You can reach us on Instagram at Let's Talk Tenkara. You can also shoot us an email at Let's Talk Tenkara at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out with any suggestions for future episodes. Or if you or someone you know would like to be featured on the show or you think they'd be a good fit, shoot us a message and we'll be happy to talk to you. Thank you for tuning in and tune in next time and let's talk Tenkara, a Salt Lake Tenkara production. <laughs>